Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio. Your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's hosts Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Welcome to Season 18, Episode 29, powered by Instat Hockey, often our largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. This is our 2023 U18 World Championship show as we continue our discussion of the ongoing progress of the championship as well. So, Brad, let's talk about Team USA as we continue uh, to move towards, obviously, the quarterfinals, semifinals, and the finals, which we'll we'll recover next week as well. But we wanted to talk about some players up to this point that we didn't get a chance to touch on last week for Team USA and other other countries as well. But let's start with Aram Minatian, a defenseman, you know, six foot, about 175 pound right shot D. He's committed to go to Boston College. Thoughts on him when we initially saw him at the beginning of the season at the USHL Fall Classic, and as he's developed through this season, and then into basically this is his final hurrah before he moves on to college. Yeah, Manidian's been a, I would argue, a strange player. Uh, he's, yeah. when you first look at him, he he has, you know, those phenomenal edges, and he can really dissect the line. And so when I first saw him at the Fall Classic, my first thought was, okay, offensive defenseman, he's going to be running the power play a lot here. I expect him to put up a lot of points based off my initial impression. We'll see how he does. And then as the year progresses, you notice he's not really producing that much, but he's still breaking down the line. And so when you really break down his game, the question is why? Like, why is he not producing as much as you think he should relative to his talent level, especially when you take into consideration his agility? Um, and the answer lies in the fact that he's very good at bypassing a layer of defense but then he's not so good at recognizing the most optimal play that will lead to production, right? So there's there's a raw aspect to him when it comes to his offensive instincts. Uh, another really interesting aspect of this player is he kind of does everything. So, like, he's not an offensive defenseman. He's kind of a puck mover. Sometimes he can be a shutdown player. So he's, he's, he has this well-rounded nature, but it's hard to, like, put him in one specific box categorize you know, him in way, something yeah, you it's, know it's, it's difficult yeah. to categorize him very difficult to categorize him as of now based off what i saw i thought he was pretty good against finland you know i thought that was his strongest yeah, game I, I watched him i was trying to watch him against a lesser team just to see what he would do with more time and space and so i watched him against norway and just take advantage uh, of it he does it yeah he, he's he's all over the map he, he made some poor decisions at times he didn't seem to be uh very confident I guess would be the word when uh, when carrying the puck and holding the puck for at times. So, you know, it's interesting. He goes from that Norway to performance. I thought he was way better against Finland. And, and if against Finland, you can kind of start seeing more of this two-way puck-moving defenseman that can uniquely break down a line offensively from time to time. And he, he's not going to put up a ton of points. Um, but he should hold defensively because it's very difficult to bypass him when he reads the play properly because of his edge work. You know, it's, it's almost like the exact opposite of Lucas Dragasevich, right? right? Where Dragasevich, when, when you have agile skaters coming down on Dragasevich, the issue is how is he going to actually be able to stay in front of them? Because he has a lot of issues with his fluidity and with his crossovers and with his dexterity when it comes to his skating base. So Manitian is or Manidian, it's it's the total opposite. 
Uh, he's actually much more of an agile four-way mobile, uh, four, has four-way mobility instead of that straight line open ice north-south skating. So, right. But uh, I question, I, no idea I question the hockey sets. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, because you're on this team and maybe, maybe it's, you know, you question, okay, is he deferring? Is it the other players because they have such high hockey sense are making up for him? And what would he look like if he was just on a USHL team and particularly a team that maybe isn't that good? Right. That is, like, I, I don't know. I'm in the same boat as you. Like, at the end of the day, what is he from an NHL standpoint? And I'm not entirely sure that I'm convinced. I'm not convinced that he's an NHL defenseman at all. And I think he's an American League defenseman, which is fine because you need value in the American League. I just, I wouldn't put him into my top 60 in that respect. Well, he's, he's an interesting player in the sense there's a lot there to mold. It just hasn't come into fruition. He's a very untapped player, right. which is and, – and one that's very new age in some ways, right? Like very new age. Like the, the way he moves, the way he dissects uh, opposing players at that line, um, the way that he can spring in transition and uh, attack the skating base of opposing players and, and, and manage to maintain possession. And it, it's there's some there's something there. But that doesn't mean that that what is there will actually guarantee him an NHL role by any means. Uh, in order for him to play in the NHL, based off what I'm seeing so far, for me, he's going to have to really become a very tenacious, almost physically imposing player in his own end and become one of those shut down puck mover hybrid players, which I don't think he is. I think it's very likely he ends up developing into some sort of hybrid offensive defenseman that runs a power play at or quarterback's power play at the college level, maybe gets power play too at the AHL level, and then is unlikely to play at the NHL level as of now. But, you know, it's one of those situations where I, I could see a team or I could see um, I could see a contrasting opinion to this saying, hey, there's more there than you think. You know, right. I, could, I could see a, a – a team or, or a group of scouts that we had next to us here, uh, maybe disagreeing with what we're saying. Let's shift over to Trey Augustine. Obviously we've talked to him about him in the past, in the beginning of the year, throughout the season and, you know, world juniors and to now. So thoughts on his transition through the, you know, the muddy waters that is your draft year as a goaltender. Well, I'll start off by saying he is in the unfortunate position of being in the for me, the hardest, the most difficult area to scout in the game, and that's being the goalie of the program. Yeah. Being the goalie of the program is a nightmare scenario for, for myself as a scout um, because you're dealing with basically the Harlem Globetrotters out on the ice. The score's out of reach 5-1 after the, after the first period. And what, guess what he's going to do? He's going he's gonna to loosen up. He's not going to dial in. He's not going to stay as focused. He's going to make mistakes that he theoretically wouldn't make if he was on a lesser team. And uh, we saw that with Spencer Knight. You know, Spencer Knight yeah. is the most classic example of this. That's what happened in his draft years. He was letting in bad goals constantly. It's because he had he, it wouldn't it wouldn't matter if he did. He, he had every opportunity afforded to him to make bad mistakes, um, and it paid. He did pay the price internationally at the Five Nations. He was blown up against Russia in the, in the gold medal yeah. game. All right, um, so it's one of those situations where with Trey, um, this is the thing. So he's so he's five eleven and a half, right? maybe six feet. Yeah. When you have a goalie this size, one of the main things that you have to do is you look at the goalies at that size who absolutely look like they're going to be bonafide NHL starters. So Devin Levi, Dustin Wolf, right? UC Saros. Those are the three 
contrasting goalies you look at and you say, where is Augustine technically relative to them? And then where is he mentally relative to them? This is the thing about Trey Augustine. I think technically at the same age, he's actually ahead of Dustin Wolf. And I think he's right there with Saros and Levi. The problem is he has too many games internationally for me over the last two years folded on himself a little bit. He there's an inconsistency to him when it comes to international scene, where with Levi you didn't get that. With Saros, you definitely didn't get that. And with with in Wolf's case is a little different. Wolf Wolf right. you, you can't yeah. do it based off international, but when you look at him in the WHL, he was unbelievable in terms of consistency. So where is he? He's starting for me to look more like an Alexei Kolosov case which is a goal I liked a lot. I, I had Alexei Kolsov as my third-ranked goalie in the 2021 class. That's a good goalie prospect. He's, he's done really well in Dynamo system. Uh, I think Augustine is trending towards that. He already was before this tournament, but so far in this tournament, I feel that that is so far the case. It will be very interesting to see if the states make it to the gold medal game, how he performs, because he has melted multiple times in these scenarios with scouts watching and with big crowds. Yes. It's very interesting to see how he does. But he's a heck of a talent, very technically sound. He's had a good year. We'll, we'll see how he does. I wonder how his progression is going to change or improve because he's going to Michigan State. Uh, they're not a high-powered team. He's going to – they're not Michigan or, like, you know, University of Minnesota or these other, you know, Quinnipiac, which has a lot of structure in their game. So I'm curious to see how – that helps him. Like sometimes when you you're behind a really good team for a long time, then you get thrown to the fire a little bit, not saying Michigan state's going to be awful, but you mean not at the, you know, he, I think that environment may end up helping him. I like, I like when goaltenders especially are dropped in different environments and play in different systems on their way to before they hit pro, because I think it really helps with their adaptability and, you know, their mental acuity, and the resiliency in terms of like, if you're in a situation where you can't allow glaring mistakes, and then how do you respond to that? And that that's what's the part of the thing that you and I talk about is where are they going next, right? Because we can't just make a decision based on what they've done. There's also a consideration of where they're going because that will impact how we're projecting them moving forward. So if he's going to a stacked team, is it going to be more of the same? If he's going to a team that's sort of in the middle, will that help him moving forward? We don't quite know, but I think it's it's a consideration that obviously initial teams will discuss in their meetings and, you know, getting towards the draft as well. Uh, we're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. We come back, we'll talk more about Team USA right after these important messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. 
The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back and powered by Inside Hockey, often the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. This is our 2023 U18 World Junior Championship show. Uh, we're continuing to chat about Team USA. Uh, let's talk about a player I'm really interested. Like we haven't talked a lot about their D in Team USA, so let's start with Drew, six foot three, hundred and eighty pound defenseman. Like this is a team. Normally we see more dynamic defensemen at the program, and we haven't quite. We don't quite have that this year. We have like more of these hybrid D. In this, in this, in this group, I, I don't know what you see, but I see a, a lot of different hybrids, and I'm also finding it challenging to fit them into categories once again. Um, now, I think at the end of the day, he's probably more of a defensive defenseman that can, you know, efficiently move the puck and has some size and some wingspan, and you know, as he fills out, you know, he's going to have more pop and power in his stride, and where do you fit him in terms of if you're going to draft him, how do you project him out? Right. And is he sort of that like third pairing number six kind of D man uh, thoughts on what you've seen mostly in this tournament. Obviously we've seen him, you know, prior and he's going to Boston college as well with, you know, four other of his teammates, but thoughts on what you think um, he's done so far in this tournament. Well, one thing with the program in general right now is it, at this stage in the tournament, it's kind of difficult to evaluate them just because of the quality competition. Well, right? especially one, one in this I've pool. Heard about, yeah, exactly. This if Russia, was, if Russia was in that pool, it would different. be an entirely different very story. Different. They are yeah. chewing the hell out of everybody in that pool. Yes, they, if, yeah. if you flip Canada with the states, then what would happen? Because exactly. Canada's pool is hard. Much harder. Much more difficult pool. That's, you know, I, I've talked to a, a, a couple of execs and scouts up here, and they all they're all saying the same thing. Which, and I'll read it right now, which is that it, it, this is it, the level of competition is just not the same without Russia, right? It's just not the the pool. The talent pool is is not condensed enough. Uh, with all due respect to the lesser teams that are available here, right? Norway and and Latvia and and uh, and the Swiss. It's just um, there's there's teams getting beaten up right now, right? And uh, as scouts. I'll say it's an incredibly dangerous game to play because not only are we seeing uh landslide blowout 
wins and, and, and losses pile up for certain teams. But the other part of this is on big ice. It's not on small ice. It's on big yeah. ice. So we have to be very careful how we, I, we've talked about this before. We, I remember mentioning this just how as you, I was, how do you I was coming weight that, right? How do you, how do you weight, weight that? Yeah. yeah. Be very careful how you weight some of this, right? For instance, I know um, I was upset with some of the program players against Norway, for instance, and how they were performing because they were treated like pond hockey. But at the same time, some of these kids, that's their nature to experiment at this phase when they know it's up, you know, seven, one, eight, one, nine, one. Should I blame them? Right now, there are certain players, and there's a reason I brought this up, there are certain players that I actually do hold more accountable than others because of the type of role they have to have. One of them we'll talk about in a bit, and that's Danny Nelson. The other is this kid, Drew Fortescu. Forte- I think is how you pronounce it. I'm not very good with North American names, only Russian names. Um, but uh, so as you mentioned, um, this kid is, yeah, 6'3", 180-something pounds, good frame, really good frame, good skating base. So the toolkit, when you look at it from a functional perspective, it's there. I also love how he uses his frame along the boards to weigh on players, right? When you have a a frame like that, you want him to drain opposing players. You want to make life difficult. He does that. He makes sure that he deconditions lines over time. He's shown that at this event. Uh, That's one thing he thought that did really well against Finland. And the other aspect is that he does project to be a penalty kill uh, uh, player if he does translate. And that's because he has that range, right? Big, long, and he's pretty good at anticipating passing lanes. Not, not the best, but pretty good. And he's willing to get in front of shots. So the really, the reality is he's this year's Drew Hellison. There meaning, you go. Yeah, yeah. Meaning he's got to play a very quiet game. And that's what we want to see as scouts. We want Smith to be loud. We want Moore and Leonard and Perot to all be very loud, right? We do. We want this kid to play quiet. And so far, I would, I would say he has. And that's what his responsibility is, and that's what he has to do. Um, is he the most dynamic defensive defenseman in this class? No. I mean, is there such a thing as a defensive defenseman? Uh, unless, unless you're an exceptional skater. That's unless really – that's the yeah, dynamic you part of truly days. elite. But um, let's put it this way. When when you contrast him to a player like Quentin Burns, who we'll be discussing, Quentin Burns shows a lot more offensive upside than, than uh, Drew. Yeah. Right? And that's – so – the reason I bring that up is because it means that you really have to pinpoint the potential for the defense specifically to translate. Yeah. Right. The problem is on this ice surface with this quality of competition, it is very hard to pinpoint that. If we were on uh, a smaller ice surface, or if we had Russia in this bracket, now we're talking. Now we're looking at at what he is um, internationally at a little bit higher rate. Luckily, we have obviously other tournaments to gauge him in, but specifically when discussing the U18s. It, it can be very difficult, and I, I feel like it has been for him. Well, let's talk about Danny Nelson because he's an he's an interesting case study of playing at the program. Six three, well over two hundred pounds, big strapping kid, and you look at his game and go, okay, what would he do if he wasn't with the program offensively? If he wasn't surrounded by all his talented players, and then being able to to attack third pairing defenseman on a regular basis, what would he be? What would he be with different opportunity? That's the challenge is it's basically taking him and putting him into other USHL teams or put him into the O or put him into the dub. And what would he be there? Thoughts on, you know, what you've seen at this tournament from Danny Nelson, because, you know, obviously you got the body there and you got some tenacity in his game and like projects to be like that sort of like, 
bottom and bottom and forward that you, you would want in your fourth line in the playoffs. Is he any more than that from what you've seen at this tournament at this? I mean, and it's once again, they've only played Finland of any type of like tough competition. Yeah. I, I thought he was decent against Finland. I, I feel like he's actually had a pretty good tournament so far. Um, one thing I really like about Danny Nelson is attention to detail off the puck. You know, I, when I first started to watch him, I did not think he was going to be a center. And, um, you know, I thought they'd have to put him on the wall on the wing and they did. And they went back to center. And then I think it was probably early February. If my, my, if my, my really poor memory can hold here, I'm pretty sure it was early February. And, uh, he he started performing better. I thought I thought he started standing out for the right reasons, and I feel like that that's carried over now to the U18s. Um, I would I'll contrast him a little bit with David Edstrom, and the reason why is I think they both look like they have the potential to be third line centers. Uh, they're very different though in some ways in how they operate. So for instance, the way I look at Danny Nelson is he's he's bigger, he has a better toolkit than Edstrom by a little bit. Um, he's more smooth. There's more of a cerebral, smooth operation to him on the ice relative to Edstrom, where he's got ebbs and flows. When his motor's going, it's really going. Then sometimes it comes back uh, right down. The other aspect that's interesting about Danny Nelson when comparing him to David Edstrom is that Danny Nelson projects to be more dangerous off the rush. There's a player with a high-quality shot. He can shoot from distance. He's scary off the rush, where with David Edstrom, that's his Achilles heel. That's where he falls a little flat. He does not project at this time to be very dangerous off the rush. He's more of a primary playmaker, right, uh, who can set up his teammates maybe at a slightly higher rate than Nelson. They both are not very creative, but that's okay because they both know how to use their frames and drive. So it, it's one of situations where I feel like they're the most prototypical third-line centers in this, in this class. And uh, I, I'm very interested to see them in a head-to-head here, hopefully, and, and to see if they match up. That would right. be a very interesting contrast. I, I'm, I'm curious with with Danny Nelson in that respect. When you're when we're projecting and moving forward, is then once again you sort of like you have to think about okay, what kind of players do you need around him for him to be a third line, right? Like I think he needs specific players around him that a little bit more dynamic in terms of their skating and their puck moving ability, because he's not going to be that type of center. And if that isn't available to him, does he slot back down to the fourth line center role, which is fine. I mean, if he's playing, he's playing, I don't care. But then does that change really where you slot him in terms of his value when you're looking at him for the upcoming draft is that, does he have to have specific type of line mates to be that third line role? And if not, then he drops down. And what's the probability of that coming together? Well, obviously it's going to, it's going to come together based off of team composition too. Like how much right. depth is there down that middle? And then there's the other aspect that is, I think he's going to be a penalty killer. Like I think he really has the potential to be a high end penalty kill specialist, which does add value, especially right. come playoff time. Right. Um, so at the worst, I think he's a fourth line shutdown center who you put on a PK. If he but makes I it, I think if he makes it, if if I think there is room there though, I think he could be a third line, a third line center if things go very right. Um, he's grown on me. I've, I've been yeah. he's grown on me, and I feel like he's carried over this tournament to a degree. But um, again, he's 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 streamlined, and I I usually much prefer a primary playmaking center. Right? right. Most I'd say most people would. Yeah. Right. Uh, very, very rarely do you not. But I'll say this. I feel like his playmaking this tournament, uh, when, when I'm seeing him live, or at least it, it, it's pretty crisp. He's not been too bad with it. He, he, he knows 
He knows his own game. You know, some of the players here don't really know what they are. I think Danny Nelson knows what he is. And that's yeah. refreshing and helpful. Yeah, he's also going to Notre Dame, so they're really staunch about playing a strong two-way game, defensive game in terms of that respect. Off-puck is really important um, to that coaching staff, so that will lend itself for that type of projection moving forward as well. Uh, We're going to take a quick break on Hockey Prospect Radio. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back. It is the 2023 U18 World Junior Championship show. We're going to talk about Team Canada as we're pressing towards uh, the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. We'll talk about those next week's show. Um, we'll record that right after, pretty much after the uh, gold medal game, probably a day or two after that. So as we're talking about Canada, let's touch on Matthew Wood. Reason being is, I think he's acquitted himself exceptionally well in this tournament. I thought he's shown that he has the ability to be the prototypical power forward that teams are coveting, particularly as we're watching the first round of the NHL playoffs. Um, the fact that, you know, he's 6'3", it's a right-handed shot. He's going to be a well over 200 pounds. He's got another year at University of Connecticut, maybe one more after that. I think he should. He should. I think he should play till he's 20 and then come in. There should be any, any rush. Based on what you've seen at this tournament, how much has this tournament helped him in terms of solidifying what we really thought about him and what some NHL teams have thought about him and where and does that impact where he goes in the draft? Because you know how coveted power forwards are in the draft. They can find one. You know, it tends to bump those players up up the list much, much higher than some people realize. Yeah, the power playmaking aspect of Wood is definitely the most enticing uh, component of it, right? The, I, the way the, that you look at this situation with Wood is can he make it so that when he is playing up to his potential, he's also not being a turnover machine? Uh, not so dissimilar to like Patrick Liney's style of play. When Patrick Liney's on, he's super dynamic, right? He's scoring points. He's doing. He's putting himself on a highlight reel. Wood does that too, and then Wood has the unfortunate circumstance in college, at least so far uh, during the season, uh, where he he can really be prone to turnovers at a rate that's not what you want to see. So coming into this event. With U18s, the one real thing that I wanted to focus on with him was would he clean up his game when the, when scouts started watching, when the spotlight was on him, when he put on a Canadian jersey? How would he look, right? And uh, I've been very, very pleasantly surprised. I feel like his execution rates are better. He's not being as error prone. He's he's His risk management with the puck is much better. And the other thing with him was – Throughout college, there was a, a lot of inconsistency with his um, off-puck game in terms of his effort level. Just remaining consistent. Can he use the frame? Right? He's got that God-given frame. Can he use it properly? Uh, I feel like he has certainly shown uh, a better gear at this event and in college leading up to it. So that there was that nice transition where I thought he was really coming on strong with his at least the competitive nature of him, and that's that's translated. So I, I feel like would to your point. Uh, I agree. I think he's been one of Canada's most consistent contributors, and uh, there's a tremendous amount of upside. I just with you know with Wood, out of any player in this entire tournament, he's the one with the most physical limitations 
relative relative to uh, his frame and height, right, and age. Like he he's the worst skater there is on Canada. There's no question, right? No question. And um, he has to overcome that uh, by being a very uniquely intelligent player off the puck by purposely using pick and roll scenarios to slow down opposing players, weighing on players properly and then making sure that he can spin off that pressure give himself slightly extra time and space there's one play in college i remember where he actually used a deceptive skating route just to slip from above to below the net line so he could change his angle so the defenseman needed an extra two feet to get to him those are the types of little plays that absolutely must occur for his game to translate i feel at this tournament he's done that so far to me it's i just want him to watch zach hyman Watch how Zach Hyman plays, because if you can emulate that, you're going to play. And that's why we talked about is how long does he stay in college? And I think he should be a three-year player. I think he should stay all three years. I don't think he should rush this kid into the American League because there's things you need to iron out. And once you he becomes part of an NHL team, then you can specifically look at what development or factors and what things you need to work on specifically for his game. And I think that time allotted to him is going to make a huge difference to his success. Once he does turn pro, I think if you, if he's like another year in college, than out, I think it's just a harder transition for him. And he has less time to work on those things. I think he'd have a much longer career and a better career. If he just plays is patient and plays that extra year plays three years and that's really, I think it's going to come down to the team that drafts him um, from that respect. I mean, they have some level of influence, obviously, on whether the play, player plays. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on Nick Lardis as well in, in terms of what you've seen at this tournament, um, I guess, respective of what he did with Peterborough and what he did with Hamilton this year and what happened in the playoffs and then him coming over. Thoughts on how Lardis has played overall? Well, he's, he's come in like a house on fire from where he left off in Hamilton. I mean, yeah. this is a player with arguably the best second half surge out of any top prospect in this draft class. Yeah, he was on uh, fire he, for like Hamilton. Like, he yeah, was, the, the, and, and so he wasn't even 35 playoffs. games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Last 35, 40 games have been absolutely outstanding. So uh, I feel like Lars had a good tournament. You know, I, even against Sweden. When obviously that was not the best team Ken has a ever played. Yeah, it was a shellac, and um, I, I felt like his energy was still there. He still had a couple of good forechecking moments. He was never really like he never let his foot off the gas, and that's kind of what you want to see when right. you see blowouts. Is that a player still competing? I, I thought that Lardis did fine in that regard. The thing I really like about Lardis, and you really saw it against Slovakia, is how fast he operates. A lot of one-touch processing. A lot of yeah. one-touch one playmaking. When he shoots, it's off the stick very quick. He's always trying to get ahead of the defense and force adjustments. And uh, I, I think he's had a pretty good tournament. Uh, you know, the, it's funny, you know, Wood to Wood to Lardis, like completely opposite player type, right? Like right. Lardis is a fast, uh, you know, explosive uh, rushing player who could shoot shoot off the rush. Uh, and and then you got Wood, who's this power playmaker, who's one of the slower players. So it's it's pretty unique. But yeah, I, I feel like um, I feel like Lardis is is shown well so far and has carried over his momentum uh, from Hamilton in the playoffs to to this event. He's been good. Hey, you know who Lardis actually reminds me of? Remember Dean McCammond? He used to play. He played for uh, Edmonton for a long time. Then he went to Chicago. Um, then he was with Ottawa. You know, 5'10", 5'11". Um, quick, smart player that 
filled out a third line in the NHL, just found a way to be, you know, move the puck efficiently, quickly, skated quickly, you know, found a way to be effective. That's what I see when I see Lardis. That's who I think of is Dean McCammon. And I know that's sort of pushing it back a little bit. Uh, maybe some are, uh, most of our listeners will obviously remember him. Some of the younger ones won't, but that's where if he's going to make the NHL is, you know, a quick transition third line player who can provide some offense, but he just, he f- plays a high tempo, high pace game, you know, and he's, and he's definitely have to go to the right organization to put him into that type of situation. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's some power play too in him too. Like he has a good catch and release. He's, he's pretty good from stationary positions. His wheelhouse is decent. I, I think, yeah, Lardis, Lardis looks like he might project really to be a middle six forward at this point. He's just the, the energy and the motor and the willingness to play above his weight is the main thing. He's just he's raw when it comes to understanding how to use his frame at this stage, but he is trying to use it, and that's the, that's the key. That's what you want sure. to see, and that's what we have seen. Plus, willingness, right? And to me, is um, and he came into – what I liked is he came into the lineup, and he just – this is my game. He didn't change his game. Like sometimes you're asked to do different roles and that's fine. And that's what the coach is going to ask you, but he played the same way. So there wasn't any trepidation or hesitation in his game. That's something else that I really noticed from what he did in in Hamilton to hear is it's like, this is who I am. This is how I'm going to play. What role is the coaching staff going to give me? I'm going to hustle. And that's what I think, you know, scouts are going to look for is was there a drop off? Was there a massive change? Well, the answer is no. I mean, yeah, <laughs> he's 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 been everything he needs to be. He's supposed to be an energy four checker at this event, right? They're not playing him too much. I think he's averaging around eleven and a half, twelve minutes a game. Yeah, and uh, he's taking advantage of that because every shift he comes out fresh and he's 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 creating a pace that's difficult for opposing defensemen to keep up with, and that's that's his job. He's also been very opportunistic with his with his shooting. Like, there's a reason he. I mean, there's a reason he had a hat trick right. against it was Germany. There was a reason that he's right. been dangerous. I remember he rung a post. Oh, this is off the top. I rung a post halfway through the second against Slovakia. You know, he's he's been around the puck. He's been he's been a standout player at this event for Ken, and in a in a team that, as of right now, you could label as very inconsistent. Right? He may be the most Canada, consistent player of like in terms of, of what he right? does. Yeah, yes. and yeah. I like and I like the fact that you know he can shoot from distance. He he'll willingness to shoot in close. Uh, and he's, he doesn't, he's not one of those guys who picks corners. You know, the guys that come down the wing and they shoot at a corner and it wraps around the, around the, like the glass and the boards, which drives me bananas is that he actually shoots for placement, right? So that, you know, there is some creation, offensive creation after that. There's some rebound opportunities in that too. It's something I noticed uh, from him, not only when he was in Ontario hockey league, but you know, here as well. So there's quality and intelligence when he's shooting. He's just not trying to pick that top corner. Uh, Brad and I are going to take a quick break. We come back. We'll continue to talk about Canada at the U18s right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. 
Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. So, Brad, let's uh, continue to talk about Team Canada. Let's chat about some defensemen in this group. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on Caden Price. Uh, I've got a chance to watch him quite a bit this year. One of the things that does come up because he plays for the Kelowna Rockets is that their top four tends to play far more minutes than most WHL teams, unless look, they really have to. So they tend to overplay in terms of minutes, their top four more often. So on average, you're probably looking at 23, 24 minutes a, a night for price. So as he gets into you know late February into March, they start to run out of gas a little bit physically. And then you start to see more mental mistakes. So as that's happened, as that happens, with the Kelowna defense core, what are your thoughts in terms of his overall play at this tournament in terms of energy? Because his ice time isn't obviously near what it is in Kelowna. It's more around 14, 15 minutes a night. So do you think that's helped him in terms of rejuvenating himself and playing? Does he play a more robust game because he plays less minutes? Can, does he understand, like, is the pacing there in terms of, okay, I know how many minutes I'm probably going to play, so I can go sort of hell-bent for leather and not have to, pay, you know, pace myself and kind of, like, you know, play more conservatively? Well, it's interesting. The whole thing with, with Canada at the beginning of this tournament, right, is, like, a lot of people are coming in, like, I thought we were as good as Sweden. I thought we were as good as the States. Heck, you know, we're Canada. We're supposed <laughs> to be utterly dominant, right? Yeah. And, this is the thing that that uh, our listeners need to know about, and I'm sure some of them already do, and that's Sweden's team has played together for years. All those kids have developed chemistry already before they come over. In the case of the program, as I'm sure most of you know, <laughs> that's obvious. Yeah. They all have the chemistry beforehand. So my point is that the two other top teams at this event have a huge and significant advantage over Canada just just as a byproduct of the of the chemistry aspect of and knowing each other price price and uh and and quentin burns and a lot of these other defensemen cam allen they haven't played with each other 
And it shows. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of difficulty here to open that game. It showed, right? Um, and and so with Price, uh, you're right. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Kelowna, they they rely very heavily on him. So would would he be running out of gas? You know, is another question I had towards Andrew Crystal too. Andrew sure. Crystal coming out of his playoffs, especially because he's an inefficient skater, and that does matter for conservation long-term with energy. So uh, with Price, that's the way I look at it. Slovakia, I thought he was one of the best players on Canada in that game. He started out swinging. He had that excellent uh, high-danger lateral pass and uh, set the momentum and tone for his team that game. I thought it was excellent right out of the bat. I thought he had a fantastic game. Uh, the Chachia game, I thought he was average, relatively average. He struggled a little bit. Uh, when he was when he's struggling, one thing with Price that's interesting is that he seems to rush his short area options up the walls. You know, it's it, it, he has time, he has space, right? He has kind of gets he gets tired, and then there's that urgency. I'm like, I got to get rid of it. Well, that's it. Is 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 that a byproduct of it, right? Right. And that's 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 right. the question. Is that's maybe, a legitimate maybe question. Because, yeah, maybe it's because he's he's at the end of the season and um you know they're playing they're playing multiple games a short to compact time and so yeah it, it it could be a bit of that um i've liked him though i feel like his recovery rates have been good he's skating extremely hard one thing with price uh when you look at this class as a whole is there's not many better skaters pound for pound than him with his frame right. uh, on the back end he can skate yeah. he can Especially in straight lines, he can really move north south. He's an explosive and powerful kid. Um, so you know, you, you look at his frame and you look at his skating base. Uh, it's been good. I don't think when you when you contrast him, we're going to talk about him now, so I might as well contrast him a little bit. The right. biggest difference between Quentin Burns and Caden Price in the defensive end is that Price is a little too heavily stick reliant when he could be body body on uh like dominate body positioning then right. use his stick right so sometimes he'll put himself in bad spots where he he'll lose inside position on a player instead of trying to get it back he'll just rely on a stick uh in in his box outs for instance burns is much more tenacious and that that has mattered at this at this event so far so um that said, though, Price has been pretty decent. He's, he's, I don't think he's had a bad tournament by any means. I thought he was, again, one of the better players against Slovakia. Uh, when it comes to offensive ceiling, you do see hints, which have been throughout this season, but also at this tournament, of a decent two-way game. So, for instance, he knows how to use his skating base to create lateral cutbacks. He can use his agility, sidestep opposing players to the line, cut down a uh, um, uh, through the through the circles, and then he can off look options and and set up lateral high danger options. Right. We've seen it, yeah, right. And he did right. this event. He had one excellent uh, lateral high danger pass um, from circle to circle, but uh, I can't remember which player was supposed to try to pick it up. He, he couldn't couldn't handle it. Um, but little fragmented offensive moments like that really leads you to believe that long term uh, developmentally, Price could be a two way uh, defenseman that plays at the NHL for a long time. It's just it's just about the consistency. Price has been a very inconsistent player this year, and he has carried over that specifically so far to the U18s. Let's talk about Quinton Burns um, that we did mention him, obviously, in that contrast with Caden Price, you know, coming out of Kitchener. And look, he's a kid who obviously has the willingness to engage physically and battle. So, like, that's his MO. Like, whether you're in front of the net or he's trying to break up a cycle or you're battling for a puck, that's a guy who's going to, like, he's going to make you pay for every inch of ice. 
which obviously you're going to need a guy like that moving forward, you know, within your defense core, it's really about, he's not the biggest kid. He's not the six, three, well over 200 pound guy. He's like, he's six, one, he's probably going to be around two ten. So how much of that style is going to wear down on him? And how is that going to, how is he going to translate? Is he a guy that we're looking him, looking to see him say five years down the road? Is he that third pairing defensive defenseman, a number six that kills penalties and a guy who bangs and crashes and just wears out forwards and can eat some minutes for you? Yeah, so what you just said, he looks like he's going to be an insulator. He looks like he'll be a potential third-pairing insulator. Uh, one thing with with um, with Burns is that we've never seen him really perform internationally, so it was very interesting to to see what he would look like while handling the pressure. And I'll, I'll be, I, he was pretty impressive. You know, I Mark Edwards put him on the map for me a bit ago. Mark's seen him live multiple times in Kingston, um, and he he told me he thinks there's something there. And uh, one thing that really stands about uh, out about him is the throwback. Yeah, he's built from the '80s. He's got that nasty to him. He's not fun to play against, especially in that front. Um, he he kind of reminds tenacious. me of of Kevin Biaxa in that respect. Yes, yeah, yeah, very much so. There's definitely some BX in him. Um, with that style of player, again, I tend to usually love the freaks. You know, I want, I want, uh, I want my shutdown defenseman to be six four two thirty. You know, that's yeah. I want the Shernak build. You know, that that's now that said though. If, if you're not going to have that, make sure you have the mentality that you play 6-4-2-3. And that's exactly what he has. Yeah. Very tenacious. He's, it's he's such a shame. Yeah. He's a pit bull. He is. He's yeah. a pit bull. I, it's such a shame he got injured. I, I wish him a speedy recovery. Yeah. Uh, this, was a, this was a big event for him. And it's such a shame it was cut short because I thought he was performing very well up to that point. You know, even in the Sweden game, he was one of the only defensemen I found that was not rattled. He seemed to be just going about his business. He knows what he is. The other thing about him relative to some of these other shutdown defensemen that we project that are third pairing is that he's much more comfortable holding a puck at the line for longer durations. There's yeah. there's a poise to him at the line that's rarer for most shutdown defensemen. Which at this also age. reminds me of Kevin Biaxa in that respect. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good right? point. Like sure. if you like when I watched this game, I actually went back and like looked at some old film of Kevin Biaxa. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Because Kevin actually isn't that tall either. He's only no, 6'1", maybe. He's only 6'1", maybe 6'2". But it just it's interesting when I go back and, like, compared the two, I'm like, okay. You know, so for me is, does can Burns' skating get that much better? Or not that much better, but better in terms of getting two more years in the OHL than a couple years in the American League is that four years enough to get him to the point where he's a good skater? Because he's going to have to be if he's going to play that defensive role at that size. No, he's, he's already a decent skater, pretty good skater, I would argue. Uh, not dynamic. He's not yeah. um, so like some of these other shutdown defensemen we've, we've brought up over the years that um, – that uh, with like he's not Grushnikov, Dallas' second round pick. He's not right. a dynamic skater like him that's a shutdown player, but it's good. It's a solid skating base to work with. And the other thing, you mentioned Kevin Bieksa. Well, Kevin Bieksa was multifaceted in the sense that, he, of course, he had sandpaper, but he was very good with his stick instincts and timing. Quinn yeah. Burns has shown some of that 
too. Right. He showed some of that at this event. He had a phenomenal recovery sequence as well that I remember when uh, his, his partner got trapped in the neutral zone and he burned it back and made sure that he could clear the puck before anything uh, developed. So little anticipatory instincts like that, plus the stick instincts, plus the tenacity, plus a pretty good frame, plus a pretty good skating base. I mean, he'll, he'll, I mean, that's a decent place to mold. He's, he's one of the shutdown defensemen in this class that I think actually projects to play at a higher rate than a lot of the other ones. There's, yeah. there's quite a few of the draft. He's one of the ones that projects to play, I think, relative to the others. And when you have those players who get drafted a little bit later in the draft, they're the, I always find that it's those type of defensive defensemen that end up playing, but it takes them longer to get there. It's a draft plus five, but when they get there, then they're there for like a decade. So from that respect, so uh, Brad and I are going to take uh, a break. We're going to go run off to the bathroom and grab something to drink. And we will power into hour two right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's your hosts, Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is Hour 2 brought to you by Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. It's our 2023 U18 World Junior Championship show. We'll uh, clean up next week and just get through all the quarterfinals and semifinals and gold medal review next week's show. We're just going to kind of touch on a few more players as we roll through some of the different countries. So let's talk about Sweden in the next two segments. Start off with Theo Lindstein. Thoughts on his game, and we had talked about him coming into this tournament. Has he played at the level that you thought he was capable of in this tournament? knowing that they were going to play in a really tough pool. Like this is the pool of death, like Slovakia, Sweden, 
Czechia, Canada, that's ugly. And how would he handle that? Thoughts so far on how he's played this tournament? I feel like he's he's handled it just like he did the SHO and just like he did at the Five Nations and yeah. kind of how he's always handled it. It's gone about his business being what he is, and that's that's a cerebral puck mover, very technical playmaker. Um, you know, I, I would argue he's the best technician in terms of just sheer puck movement through the neutral zone out of any of the back end um, uh, on Team Sweden, and that, and that even includes uh, San Impelica. Um that said, like San Impelica is more offensively dynamic. Don't get me wrong. When it comes to just a clean first pass, Lindstein has been phenomenal this season, especially in the SHL. So he's a um, coach's dream for that. Like he is very, yeah. very consistent. And the very wingers clean, love him consistent. for that too. Like they know yeah. where the puck is going to be. There's no like illusions or last second thoughts or plays. It's just, it's almost to the point where it's like incredibly reliable. And for coaches and wingers, especially for your defensemen, they love that when you're breaking out of your zone. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's the thing with Theo Lindstein is he projects to be one of the safest players in the draft to play. I think, you know, he's just, the floor is very high, right? He's too smart, uh, plays too much of a pro mature game already, has a good frame, pretty good skating base. Wish he was more tenacious still. I feel like at this event, there's been times where I'm, pretty happy with how he's held physically and other times I'm not so happy, um, which is kind of a statement of the season as well. It's a, I wish there was another gear to him pace-wise a little bit. That would really help just solidify my comfort how, level with him. How much of that um, would that comfort level change if he was on North American ice where you're forced to play with a higher pace in urgency? Well, that's, that's it. Yeah. That's why I'll be honest. That's why I wish this tournament was on smaller ice. It would definitely help with the assessment of that. Um, but when, when I have seen him on smaller ice, he's at least held right and that's kind of the way to describe him it's not that it's going to be overwhelming right it's not it's not like when when burns is coming down on a player um but or for detescu is when when he's smothering a player along the boards it's not like that but he'll do his job right and that's kind of similar to pelica pelica is he's not he's a multifaceted defenseman but not in the sense that it's ingrained in his game to do it every shift he'll He'll when he's called upon to do it for a very specific play, for instance, he'll he'll stand up hit. He'll make a stand up hit at the line if he thinks it's actually the right play to make. It, so so it's it's funny because Leo Lindstein kind of reminds me of um Niels Lundquist when I watched him play. Like there was other play other defensemen that were more dynamic, and I think people really thought there was going to be more of an offensive upside, and that may still happen in Lundquist's like game. Um but that efficiency and reliableness about his game was very much Niels Lundqvist when I watched him in his draft year. That's where I see with Theo Lindstein. Now, I don't think Lindstein will be drafted as high, obviously, as Lundqvist because there was, I don't know if you necessarily, I don't project, you know, Lindstein to have that type of potential offensively. So, So where do you fit a guy like that? Because he's not massive either. Like he's six foot. He's probably going to be maybe 200 pounds. So is he that number four that you can just, you can plop in there and he's just going to be reliable. A guy that can do a little bit of everything. So maybe second unit power play, maybe, and some penalty and obviously some penalty killing because he can take away time and space. And it's just a guy who just is sort of like one of those glue defensemen that when things are all chaotic, you just throw him out there and he just 
quietly just takes care of business, moves the puck efficiently, takes away time and space. You know, the kind of defenseman that really irritated um, Rick Nash when we talked about him. The guy who just gets in the way, right? You know, this guy always has good body position, good stick, just, you know, isn't going to bang you, just kind of gets in the way. Is that, that, is that who he's going to be? Well, he's, he's the type who will find Rick Nash on the breakout to, to spring Nash. That's that's going to be right. the hallmark of him. Um, in terms of power play upside, I, I mean, he has had power play opportunities at this event. Uh, I feel like he's kind of wasted them. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I, I don't. He's just not a very um, offensively dynamic thinker. He doesn't think the game offensively very well. It, it's it's interesting. He he works very well through a vacuum when looking at from his own end to the neutral zone. Yeah, he just he's extremely comfortable at operating at a very fast rate in that specific area of the ice. When he's given more options offensively, and when he's charged with with trying to run a power play, that's when he starts to break down. It, there's some players just naturally have this affinity for understanding that's, how to create high danger pattern. Game. He likes pattern like pattern recognition. That's the type of game he likes. He recognizes patterns, takes care of it. But in, in the offensive zone, when it's a power play, it's a little bit more chaotic because it's also, more... yeah, it's, a, it's it, one thing that's interesting about power play. You see a lot of one through one formations, for instance. Right. Uh, and, and obviously, as a, as a quarterback, primarily your responsibility is to, is to either get it uh, down the half wall or, and try to set up a bumper position. Or the thing with Lindstein is that uh, there's a reluctancy and hesitation um, to try to create and generate by magnetizing defense into him. He's a passive quarterback yeah, yeah. type of type of player. So the other thing is, too, is that he's very good at recognizing skating trajectories in advance when it comes to reloading. So when, when it comes to reloading options, when it comes to players trying to, trying to spring in transition, he can recognize those options very well. When it comes to those smaller options that are a little more dynamic in the offensive zone, that's where it breaks down. So I don't project him to be a power player or penalty kill player i think he's just a four puck mover or a five puck mover that's yeah. that's essentially what he is to me that's not a bad player that's a very good player but that that's essentially what i've seen here and what he seems to be thoughts on Otto stenberg because i think he's been the best offensive player and the best dynamic offensive player in this tournament and i know the american players have far more points because they're playing in against inferior competition but stenberg's played against slovakia canada Chechia, like played against tough teams, tough teams, and still produced. He's he's been for me the MVP of this tournament. I think yeah. he's been absolutely dynamic. You know, I uh, I made a really poor <laughs> projection with this kid just a couple months ago. The, the, okay, the thing with this kid is the curve is very impressive. It's very much that second half surge we talked about right. um, with Lardis. Very similar. So Stenberg came in as a high prospect this season. You know, Swedish scouting colleagues said, watch out. Like, look for this kid. Washington J20 was terrible. I'm like, okay, well, this is not the start we needed. Kept watching. He's kept being terrible. Then you get him to the Five Nations. And I was like, yeah, he's, he's pretty – he's starting to he's starting to show, showcase himself a little better here. Then I go and watch him in SHL. Is way better. That's when I was like, "Oh, this is the real version of, the, of this is the player that's been hyped." The SHL version. Okay, so he's playing. He doesn't like going down a level, and that's where you got to be very careful. Some of these Swedes, because that does happen. Yeah. Some of these Swedes, when they get up a level, they really don't like. They will play down to their opponents, and they won't. They won't play nearly as well. For instance, Dalibor Dvorsky, 
who I'm sure we'll talk about in another segment. Yeah. Uh, when he went down to the J18s, he was terrible. In the J20 level, he was decent, but not what you would expect. It's when he was up in Elsvensk and he was doing well. With Otto Stenberg, when he's playing the SHL, that's when you see a bona fide third-line center. The thing now is, you look at him at this tournament, you see, now that I've seen him this event, I just feel like there's a dynamism to him that I was missing. The hand speed, the sophistication with his offense, the drive. There's a real there's a real aura around this player of wanting to be the guy. Yeah. Now, will he be that in the NHL level? No, he won't. He's not that talented. He's talented, but he ain't, he ain't William Nylander talent level, right? He's not Lucas Raymond talent level. But could be second line he, talented. He's he could be, he might just be he, he went from like I'm not really into him to, okay, this is a third line center to, wow, this is looking like a middle six. So, okay. It just just keeps going up and up and up. And it's been, it's been an exceptional tournament for him. He's a, he's a, he's a really impressive player. I'm always interested in the players that whether they can pull it off or not all the time, want to be the man because those there's mental and emotional attributes in there is when things get tough, they tend to like not fold. And they just, they tend to drag their teammates with them too. Like you had said, there's an aura about him. Well, his teammates pick up on that. It's like, okay, Otto's going, we're going. And every shift, he changes momentum for his team. And I think that's really important to recognize in that because you're not just looking at his skill sets, you're looking at how he plays the game, what his body language is like, how his teammates play around him. When the, in situations, how does he react? For me, that's just as is equally as important to a skill set because the mind, fo- like the body, follows the mind, and you can have all these skills, but if mentally you don't have it, I don't know what to tell you because you're not going to play in the NHL. Like we've seen it, I've seen it too many times, and after the you know the past twenty three drafts I've covered. So uh, let's take a short break and continue to talk about the Swedes right after these commercial messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skilled development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. 
You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back and powered by Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. This is our 2023 U18 show. We're continuing to talk about the Swedes. So let's talk about David Enstrom. Big, massive horse of a kid, right? Like when you talk about Vikings, kids a Viking. Um, and then <laughs> what do you like? What do you project when you're looking at a kid like this? As we're, you know, we're, we're watching him in the beginning of the season with for London, the J20, got a little bit of time in the SHL, comes to this tournament. I'm not expecting him to be a point producer in any facet, but is he a guy that can play in the bottom pairing for an NHL team one day. And I'm talking draft plus five, because I think it's a bit of a longer road for a guy like this, as much as I think both of you, both you and I think he's played well in this tournament. You just, you also can't get caught up in, you know, too much too soon. Your respect. What did you see so far with him? Well, he's, he's, he's very interesting in the sense that he's a power center, um, but an undeveloped, underdeveloped power center. Right. You know, he doesn't, uh, doesn't know exactly how to cut correctly at times, uh, but and he does, he certainly isn't dangerous off the rush, which I've, I've discussed a bit earlier with with uh, Danny Nelson contrasting them. Right. Um, that said, with the frame and with the off puck instincts and the anticipation and the ability to get into those soft ice areas, well, he's he's a net front crasher. He can he can work the puck around the net. He can work the puck down low. He is a good playmaker. Um, that's the probably the most surprising thing about him is when you watch him in for London and you watch him up in the SHL, it's just how consistent he is and being an efficient playmaker. Um, I would say Danny Nelson mechanically is a better skater. Uh, mm. Edstrom's uh, stride is slightly shorter. Uh, you can't sit back in his stride as deep, um, but he's not a bad skater. I've had, I have had debates about his skating. Some, some scouts think his skating is not that good. Uh, I think it's fine. I think it's more than passable uh, as a three C. Personally, um, right. hmm. but okay. it, it, it's, it, it's interesting. It's a point to debate with, with some scouts that I know, but um, either way, he like Otto Stenberg has shown better as at the SHL level than I feel they have at the J20 level. So, and that's been a kind of a common theme this year with some of the Swedish prospects. So, um, you know, he, he plays a well-rounded game. And as you saw, he can complement other skilled players. That's really the takeaway with the U18s is can he move up there and can he really uh, showcase what he needs to and that's just be that net front guy and then be that consistent force off the puck and stay above the puck. I feel like he's done a very good job. So in question, so for more modern NHL, is he the fourth line center? You know what I mean? With like, and has more energy fourth liners who can get on four checks, who have some skill set. Um, but he's a guy who can power through the middle. Is is he that guy, or do you think he has enough to get into that three C hole? Because I'm maybe I'm like the other scouts. I'm not quite convinced that's going to happen. And then do Swedes come over to play that role? You know what I mean? Yeah, yes. no, it's it's a good question. It, it's going to be completely dependent on how he, efficient he is as a playmaker going forward at the pro level. You think it's more skating? Can, I, you know, I, I think he'll be fine. Yeah. I think he'll be fine. Correct. Yeah, I do. He he just as you mentioned, he's a horse. 
And uh, he's a thoroughbred. He needs time. He needs time yeah. to develop and go into his frame and, and get the coordination, right? Um, he's already held at the SHL level, right? And that that's and he's held pace-wise. He's He does not get drowned out at the SHL level. That's a huge thing for, for this player at True. this time. Yeah. Um, Playmaking-wise, he can be very surprising. He can thread high-danger passes through layers. He can do it at speed. Um, sometimes he can be um, – he's not as um, – He's not as clean as Danny Nelson. Sometimes he'll make an errant pass. You're like, what in the heck? You doing? Where where was that supposed to go, right? But um, but for the most part, he's been pretty efficient. I, I think the other thing I really like about this player, you brought it up a little bit, there's a lot of energy. He's, he brings a lot of energy and tenacity to him that can really help him because he helps propel a line. He, he, you know, he, makes, he makes his teammates better in a lot of ways. He can help. Pass distribute the puck. He can help get to net front and draw interest there, so he can get his teammates more space, right? And he yeah. can come in as a supporting unit with that frame. So there's there's a lot of elements to him that are very and, useful. and then match up against other centermen that may happen yes. to be big and like just be able to exactly. try to like battle against that. Like that's an match up against yeah. Danny Nelson, right? Exactly. <laughs> so we have, yeah, and that, that may end up happening, and it's just something that like caught my attention too, as well as. You know, if the skating that you think holds, then does that help him in terms of defensively? You know what I mean? Is just be able to yeah, stay, absolutely. stay uh, pace, right? Here. And that's, and you're right in your commentary about, you know, the time required. He's a draft plus five player. Like if he's going to make it, you can't pull him in any sooner. I just don't think you can. I think, it, I think it, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. In that respect. Yeah, I mean, you can say that about most players, right? I think most players these days, for whatever reason, they get rushed. I think probably part of it's a media exposure thing and just where they're, they're selected. Like, to this day, I, I really don't think Alexei Lafreniere should have been in the NHL right after the Q. I, I think agree. I think a Q player going from shooting against Q-level goaltending to NHL-level And playing against Q-level defense. Yeah, it's just too much of a jump. There's just yeah. too much. It's just, you know, Jack, Jack Hughes is an incredible player. He struggled a lot in his first year. He's just not ready. I, I don't know what it I, I don't know enough behind the scenes to know why the the needles are moved the way they are when it comes to these very high picks and trying to get them in right away. I assume it's just to to to, to try to appease the fan base. It's, it's, hey, all, look, we got made it's the way right it's pick. always been done, man. But, yeah, I don't I just I look at there's so many examples of this where I just think it's too dangerous. And yeah, yeah I just um especially with Q players, uh, not to go on a rant on or sidetrack us here, but yeah, especially Q players. <laughs> well, let's talk about Anton Wolberg, big another another big strapping center. Thoughts on his game coming into this tournament and what you think about what he's done so far. Okay, unlike Danny Nelson, David Edstrom, who I really do believe have a shot to be a long-term center, I do not think that that's the case, case right. with Anton Walper. On one the of the reasons it, it yeah it takes away one of his fundamental advantages, which is how he how he attacks opposing players along the wall and how willing he is to try to uh, carry possession uh, with his handling and his range and his frame. Um, he's an instinctive line driver who honestly drives me crazy with his inefficiencies. <laughs> he's, he's, he's one of those players where on any given play you get the, if he, if he, like, for instance, the goalie scored, um, uh, I think it was against, um, women Slovakia. I think he scored against Slovakia where he, uh, he picked up the loose puck and he cut across the, the high slot and he, and he wired it, um, 
uh, far side. You know, it was it was a heck of a goal. And it kind of like speaks to what he is off the rush. When this player is moving, he is scary. Right. He can move. He can shoot. He, he can handle the puck. The toolkit's there. The problem is he has um, let's go Russian here for a little bit. Bulat Shafigulin, Neil Gushkin. Very different players, but they have one commonality. And that commonality is that they were way too isolated in how they attacked. They did not use their teammates correctly. Yeah. That's the issue with Anton Wahlberg. You have not if seen he... as much at this event. Yeah. But in league, in, when he's in J20 NHL, he does not use his teammates nearly enough. He's a guy so who needs event... to use the give and go. He has yeah, to absolutely, use Absolutely. Because that's a, to his, to... a massive advantage because of, of his skating ability and his size and his willingness no, to shoot, drive the net. You, you, you have to be willing as a player to understand that the better option is usually to be able to be set up as the lateral one-timer yeah. or the lateral catch and release option. He's not understanding that. Or just to he's take just the puck going. and just eat and just take it right to the net. Yeah. Now, and he'll do that. He will do that. Absolutely. But it's at this event, that's what I've been really looking for. And there are, there are moments where he's cutting off the half wall. And I remember on his backhand, he made a nice backhand, soft touch backhand pass to his teammate. I can't remember which his teammate was, but um, I set him up for a nice, a nice opportunity. Those are the types of plays where he'll translate. The, the question with this player is how many of those pl plays does he make relative to the ones where he's going to drive you crazy by trying to do too much with the puck and not recognizing he's used his team? Yeah. And that's this player. That's this player in a nutshell. I honestly, I think he's better off. Like the least amount he has the puck on his stick, the better. Unless he's driving the net. It's dependent on the laws yeah. because he's so yeah. big with his range and handling. That's if, if he's can, in a, if he's in a cycle situation where yeah, he exactly can, to if come he's draining opposing defensemen and then can cut off the walls, that's very useful too. It's yeah. just it's just all about the play, the the context of the play, and him recognizing the most efficient route. And at this stage in his development, he is not there, and that's okay because he's a horse of a kid, just like David Edstrom, and they're used to running over players, right? And so it's it's just all about development with him, and a team that that's going to take him is going to be a team that's comfortable with with molding a hybrid power forward and thinking they can draw out the most from his game. It's just like with Matthew Wood in the sense that whatever right. team thinks they have the best skating coaches, they're the ones who are going to take Matthew Wood. Like you yeah. look at the draft class, Toronto believes in their skating coaches. You can tell by who they, they pick. To Tampa Bay, notorious yeah. for taking below average skaters, then making something out of them, right? So yeah. that's going to happen with Wood. And just like that, with just on the other side of that, you look at the St. Louis Blues when it comes to developing power forwards. You look at certain teams that are very comfortable developing that player type. Well, that's the type that will take an Anton Wahlberg. 100%. And in this draft class, we actually have quite a few guys in that mold. You know, they all have their own differences, but there's some big power forwards that are out there. Uh, Brad and I are going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about Team Finland next. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. 
The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back on our 2023 U18 World Championship show. We're going to talk about Team Finland. Now, we're going to chat about a kid who isn't eligible for the draft, NHL draft until 2024, but we have to talk about him because he's so damn good. And that's Constellanius. Like, when you see a player who's 16, not just at this tournament, but as you had mentioned, who's playing in Liga, it makes you kind of go, okay, what's going on here? Like, like what, why is this kid so good? Then you start trying to pick apart his game. And I, I think he just showed once again at this tournament that, I mean, at, if his game continues to progress and based on, you know, what we had talked about off air, how versatile and how like mature his game is, I don't like to project a year in advance, but damn, he he'll be a he. I don't see why he wouldn't be a top five pick. Like I don't I don't see why. Like unless this game falls off the edge of a cliff or he does something crazy. Like he's a dynamic player, like in all sense of the word. Yeah, he's. We'll be talking about him a lot next season. For, <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. Yeah, he's um he's a pretty special talent. Any any player that shows real immense flashes of potential against a program at 16 on this type of stage, you know, he's something pretty special. And it's very rare for a 16 year old to play in Liga uh, for an entire season. And he looks like he projects to be a center. And uh, those are all good things. He already can really skate. That's one thing that really stood out to me with him is like just the skating ability at 16 is already there. Um, Yeah. Does he project to be a top five in next year's class? I don't know next year's class that well yet at all. Uh, relative to some of the other members of, of the staff I'm on. Um, but I would say yes, based off of what I know we have up there. I would say it'd be very difficult not to see how he's not top five. So, yeah, he looks he looked not sensational here, but he has those brilliant flashes uh, where you're, you're like, okay, this is as real as it gets. And that's what 16-year-olds do. Puck. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He can rip a puck. He he has a lot of potential, tremendous amount of potential, very well-rounded player. That was one thing that was very interesting about him to me is just offensively speaking, just how well-rounded he was. And I give him this, you know, against Laffey even, which is uh, the first time I've seen him there uh, live, he, he, uh, he was better than Halton and, uh, and Kiskinen and, and, uh, you know, he was 
right up there. I thought he was probably the third best player on Finland uh, in that in that first game I saw. So that that really put him on the map for me. The, the second that uh, the second I was on I was like, well, if you can get up there and have better games than those kids, that's that's a pretty good start. Do you think he's going to play center, or do you like him better on the wall on the right hand side with a right hand shot? I don't know. <laughs> see, see, I don't know I either. That's why I asked I the know. question, right? Because yeah. just Normally because of... I would give you the answer, but uh, I need to see him in the league. I would need to see more of him. Um, I, my first instinct is that there was definitely uh, a very likely chance he'll be a center off what I saw. Um, but it's still like, you know, I, I know there's a lot of like fake scouts out there to love watch two games, then pretend they know a prop player. I'll never do it. So <laughs> I've yeah, see, seen, I don't, seen him like, play I, twice, I, just, uh, I don't twice, know. So I really don't know yet, but he's a heck of a talent. I can tell you that. I know he's a heck of a talent. And that's the one thing about Liga because they tend to have more mature players play in the middle because of obviously defensive responsibilities and playing against bigger players. And he's more likely to be on the wall. And because he's a right-handed shot, that's a rarity. And does that does that impact his development of playing on the wall more often? And that's, that's only the reason why I asked that is because I went actually back onto Instat and I started watching some shifts of his and I'm like, Hmm. And because I didn't watch enough because you know, you're trying to watch U 18s and you're trying to like, you know, get stuff ready for this upcoming draft. So I can't linger on a 16 year old too long, but it was just, I had no choice. Like I was, well, I did have a well, choice, he, but I you know, wanted the, to go he, see that, right? So the, the, he kind of summarizes the cyclical nature of scouting in the sense that this is one of the weakest finish groups we've had this year, in 2023 yeah. class. Yeah, yeah. This year specifically is not a strong class at all for Finland. Next year, oh, it's 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 a huge switch. Next year, there's like four or five Finns that are top, top-notch prospects, and he's right at the top of that list. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you always want them – the, the countries with the with the players per capita ratio being so high in Finland, you really want them to succeed. Right? Yeah. Finland lives and breathes hockey, just like uh, Canadians. So it's one of those situations where it's um, it's disappointing, I guess, would be the word when you see a Finnish crop that's this week. But then when you watch with the Five Nations, you watch what Constant Hellenius brings the U18s here. It's like, oh, okay, hang on. This is where you get to remember it's cyclical. Um, you know, I, I – I guess Slovakia would be the next team here that's come in out of nowhere that's basically like Sweden, like Finland, and even even above the Czechs now where they're very consistent. And I'm, I'm kind of hoping down the line that what Slovakia has done developmentally, I'm really hoping Switzerland and Austria and some of these other countries Germany, will yeah. have that. Yeah. Germany's getting yeah. there too. This is – we haven't talked about Germany. This is an incredibly off year relative to what we've seen in the last three to four years here. Um, you know, there's been a ton of great top prospects uh, recently in Germany. That's not the case at this event, unfortunately. But it's, you know, the, Slova the Slovakians, I think, have shown a model that can be very beneficial for some of these some developing of these, uh, nations, for developing sure. countries, developing yeah. nations. So. But we... hey, don't worry, Finnish fans. The next year, Finns are coming. Uh, before we uh, take off and talk about the checks, let's talk about Jesse Kisten in, in this group, uh, right-handed shot, um, right winger. I think so far, I mean, like, yes, you know, that pool is obviously not as strong as the other pool, but I thought he's had a good tournament. I thought he's had a good tournament and he's been relied upon really heavily to produce offense because this group just isn't offensively talented like we've seen in others. You know, generally we get a couple good lines out of the Finns and one good line for the Finns this year. 
he's he's built for open ice because he's most dangerous off the rush. He's yeah. an incredibly dangerous player. He has an extended lateral drag he likes to use. He's very good at um, basically offsetting a goalie's tracking of what he's attempting to do by showing uh, one side and then being able to drag through the triangle of the defenseman and release from the opposite side, right? So it, it offsets goalies. It's difficult to track him. He has tremendous shot quality. Um, which you've seen here with this event so far. And uh, he can be very dangerous. He's a tenacious kid too. So, he, you know, 6'1", 190 pound looking typical frame. Typical Tenacious. Yeah, typically, yeah. He's a rugged Finn. He, he's he's definitely a primary shooter, much like Holton is. Uh, the, the the problem with this Finnish team, I mean, you look at Kiskin and you look at Holton and um, they're not they're not primary playmakers. Yeah, and really I was just gonna say, who, who's your yeah, who's your guys? The, 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 the real setup guy they have at this event is Rasmus Kampalainen, who is a primary playmaker. The problem is Rasmus Kampalainen is uh, uh, slow in open ice. He's not a gifted skater in open ice. Yeah. So there's and and he's not center, right? So it's it's one of those situations where um, the chemistry. There's not really a setup there for, from a chemistry perspective, and then they just don't have the centers to help Kiskin and Holton at the rate that they theoretically could if they had uh, um, some of those other 24s already uh, already uh, coming up from the Five Nations to this event. Um, you know, Costellanius is here, but a lot of those other top end guys are not. Um, so you know, it's it's interesting. I I called um, Kiskin in the dark horse of this class before the five nations, but I had not seen him that much in U20. Sorry either. I have watched him extensively now. Uh, I admit, I think I was wrong. I don't think he's as gifted as I was hoping for. And one of the reasons I just discussed was that the vision isn't there. He's not very intelligent player, but what he makes up for uh, with the lack of intelligence, he, he, he has that drive. He has the internal drive. He has a decent toolkit and he has shot quality. So it's all about being able to refine his playmaking where it's adequate and learning how to be more of a possession driver at times, kind of the same way Anton Wahlberg can be, right? right? Instead of being a complimentary flash rusher, which is what he essentially is now and so far I think has been at this tournament. Well, I think when I watch him play, I find he has to be closer to his primary playmaker in this tournament. There really isn't any so that he can effectively use the give and go. That's where I think he'd be more, um, not necessarily dynamic, but more effective in terms of how he produces offense and to create that little bit of time and space he needs off the rush. So for him, I think he's just got to be tighter to whoever's the primary playmaker for him to be effective moving forward. Because I think like the farther separation he has, the worse he is. Like, I think he's got to be closer as a winger, closer to the middle of the ice to be able to use that. Then once he has the puck, then he can like give and go and drive and use that skill. And then, you know, shot quality, get in on, get in on the goaltender, get on the defense, use the defense as a screen. That's where I like, I don't know what you've seen, but at this tournament, that's where I see it's missing in his game. And do I, it's a little bit of, I don't want to blame him because there's nobody else to help suit is a suitable like linemate for him to get the most out of his skill set. Yeah. He's, he's a complimentary winger who needs to go to the dirty areas and do those things. But yeah, he needs a setup. Guy. This is what we, we discussed. He doesn't have the setup guy, So he's kind of got to do more by himself. And you know, the, the thing with him is um, when he's going, he's really going. 
and when he's off, he's he's kind of not not where you need him to be. Yeah. And so far, I feel like he's that there's been yeah the ups and downs. Like I I thought he was actually. He's pretty good against the states. I thought, you know, he had moments. He had real flashes where he very dangerous at times. He did score. I thought the goal was more, you know, it's more of a lucky bounce than anything. Where he got, I mean, he put himself in the right position to to get that bounce, but it was kind of an odd play. But um, he he had some he had some good moments. It's just, I, I there needs to be consistency. Hopefully, in the U18s here down the stretch and, and towards the quarterfinals, he shows more consistency. We're gonna take off. Uh, we'll be right back with the last segment. We'll talk about the checks right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back for the last segment of our 2023 U18 show. Uh, we'll do another end of tournament show next week as well. But so let's talk about the checks. Talk about a couple defensemen right off the hop. Jakob Dvor- uh, Dvorak. I don't know what they fed this kid because he's a monster. The kid's a monster. And the question is, is when you see a guy like that, and you're like, okay, the first question is, can does he have enough mobility to play at an NHL level? Like, maybe not right now, but will he in draft plus five? And is he going to be able to be that, like, dominating physical presence and have enough passing ability to make a smart, efficient first pass? That's all I'm asking. Because the fact of who he is and his size, that's enough. You know, those condors with this big wingspan, he's a massive body. Like, he's probably going to play at 240. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, he's, 
He's going to have to get on that Swiss Alps lamb to hit that. That's that's uh, that's next level. That's I don't feel like two forty. He's he's pretty lanky right now, but he does have a heck of a frame. Right, he's a big, big. Sure, big he's lanky. He's seventeen years of age and he's two hundred and ten yeah. pounds. So what is that yeah, like? Yeah. You know, that's the crazy part. Like so when yeah, I no, when he, I saw him play, I think I thought of the St. Louis Blues defense in their Stanley Cup win. They're these big, <laughs> massive, like rangy defensemen. Is he going to be that? I don't know, but like I as as an NH if I was on an NHL team, I'm like, maybe we maybe we have to take a chance on that kid. Because if he turns out he's such a freak of nature that he could be he could completely change the dynamic of your defense if he could play at the NHL level. Thoughts on what you've seen well, he, so far at this tournament. He has the thing that, that you want in a shutdown defenseman that we talked about a bit earlier with with Quentin Burns, for instance, or Fordadescu, uh, they don't have that unique wingspan. You, know, you mentioned right. the wingspan, the range, the, the specialization, right? Yeah. Um, that's that's the uniqueness of Dvorak. What's interesting about Dvorak is that he's been playing up in extra league the entire season in, in a depth role, um, but he's been injured a lot. So this tournament really matters for him. Yeah. Also, when he's been playing internationally before this, he's not been that good. His his Five Nations performance was not very good. Um, and so it's one of those situations where he needs to have a good tournament. And so far, that's been the case. He's been, you know, I thought he was pretty, pretty darn good um, um, at this event so far in terms of just holding on his retrievals, not getting overwhelmed with four checks, finding that clean first exit. And that's all he has to be. Yeah. That said... He does, and I have notes about this because I, I remember being pretty pretty surprised. Was an extra liga, uh, he'll flash potential at the line that you don't think's there. You just yeah. well, you've never seen it, and then I don't know where he's using his wingspan. <laughs> he's he's making elaborate. I, I said it openly. I'm like, what was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he has he has that raw, untapped uh, potential that is a scout. You you go you look at that and go, well, if he could harness that. You give him five years, then you might really have something unique. Yeah, he's definitely a draft plus five for sure. Yeah, he reminds me. I, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Maybe you can help me here. But uh, Chicago's third round pick from the program that was drafted. He was six six. Um, Vlasic. 20... Vlasic. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Vlasic. There's some Vlasic in him from that perspective, right? Vlasic right. more tenacious from a physical perspective, but. In terms of the range and how they operate and some of the things they need to do to be successful, I think is pretty similar. So a, a very loose comp, but I would say Vlasic is 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 one comparable you could give him. Um, but he needs to continue to just be consistent with what he's shown because um, this is exactly the type of performance that he's needed. And for me, it's just like play two more seasons. Play your 18-year-old year and your 19-year-old year in league in, in the Czech Liga. And then come over as a 20 and play a couple years in the American League, maybe half a third, and you kind of understand what you're going to have then. That's for me, is the trajectory. You're going to have to do that with him because I think otherwise, like you just rush him in too soon just because you think he can handle with the size, but there's all those other elements. And I think once he figures out that he's so big that even if a four check gets on him sooner, why does he need to panic and move the puck? You're going to try to get the puck away from that guy. He's going to stick his back out and his big ass out. And he's just going to put his shoulders out. And you're going to get through that guy. That's like trying to get through a brick wall. Like you basically mm. got to slice in to him to get at the puck. Because if he can pin it, he's going to be hard to get it away 
from. And that's where I, I see him as that, you know, that really prototypical insulation defenseman for a more offensive guy that maybe a more offensive guy that can't play top four minutes, but has value to move the puck and rush the puck and secondary power play. Maybe he's an insulator for that kind of guy. Cause you really, he's a specialized player that we talk about. So when you're, draft, yeah. when you're drafting him, you're really looking at him as a specialized. This is what we think he has to be to play. And this is the third pairing role he has to play. And if he goes beyond that, that's just like a home run, but I just don't, I don't necessarily see that. Uh, let's also talk about one more player before we head off for the end of the show is the Adam Juracek, who obviously is the younger brother of the, you know, the Juracek who was drafted by the Columbus Blue Jackets. David Juracek. Yeah. David Juracek. And look, and Adam is a 2024, so he's not draft eligible to next year. But thoughts on the 16-year-old playing in this tournament, right-handed shot, which is obviously a great advantage, uh, because I think he's acquitted himself very well as a six-year-old defenseman in this tournament. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's pretty special talent. You know, we just talked about Costa Hellenius being up there. Yep. Well, the Duracek isn't going to have to wait too long to hear his name based off of what we're seeing so far. Um, you know, at the same age, I feel like David Duracek probably projected to be a little bit better defensively um, than his brother here. But I right. think, I think, I mean, some of the best plays I've seen offensively are from from Juracek at this event. He's been he's been exceptional in moments. Um, I thought uh, he started the tournament a little slower. It, it took him a bit of time to get comfortable with the pace. He's this is the best uh, players he's ever faced, right? So it's one of those situations where um, the, the the just staying stay in front of the puck and right. managing the puck correctly took yeah. a bit of time. But I thought he was phenomenal against Sweden. Like, uh, you know, Sweden's yeah, had a really good, tournament yeah, looking yeah, like the favorites. I, and I feel like against Sweden, he really showed uh, showed some tremendous potential. Um, still prone to occasional errors. Of course, he is a 16-year-old defenseman. Um, sure. But he's – he wow, does he have upside. He, he has more upside than his brother offensively, I think. Not in terms of shot quality. Not in terms of just sheer shot power. And, like, a lot of Juracek and how Juracek works is – But there's more he, deception, he, I think, in, in his game offensively. Yeah, there's a, there's more lateral mobility. Yeah, there's just better mobility in general than his brother. That's probably actually the biggest difference between the two is just how much better of a skater uh, Adam is relative to David. But um, it also just in terms of just the poise and how he breaks down the line is just very very impressive. He again not as not as powerful as brother, not as mean as his brother in his own end, but in terms of just uh, and that may come a with time puck movement. No, yeah, we'll see. We'll see next year uh, how it looks. But he's certainly. For 2024, a name that we will be watching and uh, talking about a ton. No, no question. Thoughts just uh, quickly on his defensive game through the neutral zone, like facing a rush, you know, like in terms of his gap control and his angles and his stick placement, uh, for, you know, versus some really tough offensive teams in this pool. I mean, it's raw, but he the, the big thing with him is that he he has that second, third effort level when there's when there's a loose right. puck, when he's made yeah. an initial mistake, like he's willing to try to make a difference and engage even though he's made the first error. And that's the thing. The thing one of the biggest differences between him and his brother, when it comes to skating bases, the problem with David Juracek is when he misassesses a play, he does not have the recovery toolkit that I shouldn't say he is developing the, the the toolkit to recover, but in his draft season, when he was drafted by Columbus, it wasn't already there. It was something right. that needed to be further projected, a part of his game that needed to be developed. Right. I know that 
uh, Rick Nash has come on and said that they feel very comfortable with where that's heading. Right. Right. So with his brother, what we're seeing is a a player that you don't even have to put that into the, into the evaluation. You already know the recovery toolkit's there. So that, that's one of the biggest differences between the two when, when evaluating the player in general. Yeah. When I look at his game, it's just a matter of um, with, you know, some strength, because I think technically he's just like he can produce some power on his shot. So some additional strength, I think that can up the power of his, his slap shot and, and release point. And then as well as just a matter of just a little bit of more meanness and that, you know, could come with a little bit more physical maturity, you know, in terms of like feeling more comfortable of banging and crashing in that respect. So I'm really interested to watch him continue to develop, especially coming into the 2024 draft uh, this has been another episode of Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio, powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide, and Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream. For student athletes looking to take their game and studies to another level, you can listen to the show on your favorite podcast network on Sirius XM app or on our YouTube channel, and follow us on Twitter at HP Radio and hockeyprospect.com. Thank you to Brad and all his hard work, and we will see you at the rink.